With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. The Flyers shut out the Sabres by a score of 3-0. And I hate to be that guy, and maybe I'm being too harsh considering the Flyers do have a solid record this season, but I think if you study this team inside and out, if you really dissect their play to this point, there are major concerns and there are major flaws. So I think it's reasonable to be skeptical when you analyze these type of performances. For example, the way that they have played offensively over the last two games, it's impressive. But then when we use context, we see that the Rangers are an abomination and the Sabres are clearly underperforming this year and they are not good. They also don't have Jack Eichel, which adds a layer to their team already not being that good of a hockey team. So when I see this Flyers unit move up and down the ice and play this crisp, clean game, is this who they really are? Or is this a product of playing a team like Buffalo? Maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm aware that it can be a combination of getting healthier. I guess, well, yeah, healthier. But when I say that, it automatically triggers in my brain because of injury. But no, it's the year 2021. I'm talking because of the COVID-19 list. But the excitement and the juice of getting your better players back, that could be something that brings out that fire for the team and brings out that excitement, it seems, just from hearing Elaine Vigneault speak after the game and hearing Scott Lawton that there was this hype surrounding Justin Braun getting back into the lineup for some reason. And I don't believe that taking Phil Myers out is a recipe for success. I don't like that move. He needs to be in play. But Justin Braun played a good game. And and you have Ghost and Gustafson now playing the top of the power play. They both scored in the previous game against the Rangers. Ghost scored a big second goal in this game to put the Flyers up two in that second period as he joined the rush and he pounced. He pounced on an opportunity to be that guy who gets up in the play, who moves his feet, who utilizes his speed to get up in the play. And did he try and go five hole on Hutton? I don't know. I don't know. There's a little bit of me that thinks maybe he was trying to throw it in a different area and pick a different corner, but there's also this little bit of poise and patience involved if you watch the play in slow-mo too. I don't know, but but if I'm him, and I think the broadcast was somewhat alluding to it as well, Jim Jackson and Keith Jones was having some fun with it. Jones was like, yeah, you know what? I tell people I was trying to go 5-0. You're damn right. I'd be saying the same thing too. No doubt about it. 
But I, I like the fact that Shane Goss' bear is playing better, obviously, and I think playing with Provorov has him feeling comfortable. I think it takes away a little bit of what Provorov could do in the two-way game when Matt Niskanen was his partner. Provorov could play that role. Well, now that Ghost is his partner, Provorov has to play the Matt Niskanen role, which takes away from some of that versatility Provorov brings to the table. Uh, but right now, due to circumstances, that's what has to happen. That's what you need to do, and he's doing a good job at it. So, uh, I, I don't know how long you can keep Phil Myers out. I don't think he's an out-of-the-lineup type guy. So, I want to see how A.V. elects to move forward with it. I would have never scratched him, to be honest with you. Right from the jump, he is a guy that deserves to be playing. Well, while everyone has bumps and bruises along the way, and everyone has ups and downs, specifically younger defensemen, He's a stud. Phil Myers is a stud, and I'm, I'm just curious how A.B. is going to do this moving forward. So, to start this game off with Moose in the net, he has been your better net minder to this point. I, I, I mean, I do mean that. Carter Hart has had some hiccups. Carter Hart has not been the strongest. And I keep talking about post-game. A.V. was asked about the goalie situation. They have a back-to-back. They play the same exact team tomorrow at three. And A.V. was somewhat laughing like, look, we got two goaltenders here, all right? We're, we are going with Carter Hart. I made this statement before. It would be Brian Elliott on Saturday. It would be Carter Hart on, on Sunday. But just something else that I'm monitoring. There's a lot to monitor right now with this team. And I want to see the usage of Brian Elliott. As we move forward here, because he is the stronger goaltender right now. Nobody's making the argument that Brian Elliott's the future of this franchise. But right now, he's got more swagger. All right, he's making the big timely saves. And there's this juice surrounding Brian Elliott right now. So I just want to monitor that tandem. But he was awesome. And while the Sabres might not have had a ton of shots, they got momentum in the third period. Middlestad ended up hitting the crossbar. Luckily, that didn't go in. And he had another chance, closer, tighter in the slot. And Middlestad wasn't able to get it through. But that third period, there was some momentum taken by the Sabres. I wish the Flyers would have came out a bit stronger in that late frame. But they did enough to hold on. They were blocking shots. I'll give them credit. While they were on their heels... You can't deny that they were on their heels and they were trying to chip pucks out of the zone and just do the little things to wear off the time. They were getting in lanes. They were really going out towards the the defensemen when they were in the defensive zone and they were making sure they were blocking their shots. So they did do the little things to hold on to the lead. I think it was Robert Haig who took a late penalty with about 30 seconds left and I was getting a little upset that maybe that would have ruined a big shutout for Moose. So the Flyers started off this game getting a power play. Good puck movement, but they weren't able to score. And yes, I will constantly drill them for their power play. And it deserves to get heavily dissected every single power play chance that they get because they have to do a better job. Your special teams needs to be better on both sides. Now, their power play didn't work, but... The the uh, the Buffalo Sabres, they know how to work the puck around. They know how to score. Their power play is lethal. Once again, keep in mind, no Jack Eichel. So that does change things. And it changes their puck movement. It changes their offensive threat. Their weapon on the power play. But still, they have a good unit. They have a good core. And, and they're scoring at an insane rate with a man advantage. But the Flyers killed that off every single time. 
And I'm mentioning the first power play chance they had. I didn't love the call. Joel Faraby in the defensive zone throws a little stick check, a stick whack that popped the puck loose. And it looked like the Flyers were going to have a great push and a great offensive zone uh, rush there because of what happened. Like, hey, you're turning the puck over inside the blue line if you're the Sabres. You get a chance to go on a rush, transition the other way, and they call this ticky-tack nonsense stick-checking call. I hated it. I hated it. But I am proud of the PK unit to get the puck out of the zone and to force the Sabres to go back and get it, try and re-enter the zone, and they did a good job there. So all around, they did a good job on all of the penalty kills, to score the one nothing goal, the one nothing lead for the Flyers, I think it all started with getting into that offensive zone. And you got some pressure, and you got the forecheck going, and JVR was in the corner. Coochie was behind the goal line first, then JVR's behind the goal line, and on the left side of the ice, there's a turnover along the wall. JVR has a little bit of back pressure, forces a... Tough decision to go up the wall with Travis Sandheim hugging the boards. He picks the puck off, sends it to Cootsie in the slot, who one-times it right through and goes in on Hutton. Now, I believe it had some sort of, not a misdirection, but enough to change the flutter and the speed of the puck. It hit off a defenseman and went in on Hutton, but that's a one nothing lead, and it's big for the Flyers to gain momentum, and based off of how they played against the Rangers, somewhat keep that energy going going, keep that good offensive flow going, and it all started with getting established in zone, getting the puck behind the goal line, then getting in, banging, putting your sticks in lanes, taking away lanes, and boom, it was beautiful. That's what you need to do. So you got to give credit, not only to Sean Couturier for burying the biscuit and getting the puck off his stick quickly, but it also starts with everything prior to that along the wall, and Travis Sanheim made such a crucial play to keep that puck in the zone and then to keep it in his area, not only just keeping it in the zone, but to keep it in front of him and then bang, makes the nice pass. Uh, in the second period, JVR gets a offensive zone penalty. And knowing how lethal this Buffalo Sabres team is in that area, you cannot be taking a penalty that far away from your nets. But I also can say that it was somewhat of a softer stick call. Were they, were they consistent on this soft stick calls and all? I don't know. But what are you doing calling that? I didn't like it. He's playing with his stick a little bit, and he's banging bodies, grinding in the corners, and they caught it. Uh, a little disgusted in it, but I guess I get this call more than I did the Joel Farabee one. I'm more upset, though, that you're taking a penalty that far away from your net knowing that the team you're going up against in a one to nothing game, may I add, is so scary in that area. And to this point, your penalty kill has not been. I'm pretty sure the graphic that popped up on NBC Sports Philadelphia said 30th in the league in penalty kill during this game. So come on, got to be stronger. I might have not have loved the call, but you also got to be better with your stick. Don't even give the refs the time and day to maybe make that call. You're putting the whistles in their mouths for them. So they kill that off, though. And there was this rush by Kevin Hayes, Nolan Patrick, and Claude Giroux that made me jump up like, holy shit, how did they not bury that? 
It was crazy. Here's Kevin Hayes along the wall on the right side of the ice, right inside the blue line in the offensive zone. He makes this crazy nice pass to Nolan Patrick just a couple inches away from him, who then puts it through his legs, slides it over to Claude Drew, who one knee, one times it, and Hutton makes the save. But that was such nice puck movement. And we have been watching this team. The Flyers make no sense. And that's been a statement that we've all made since the beginning of this season. How they have the record they have, nobody knows. It doesn't make sense because they don't get a lot of shots. They don't generate a lot of offense, but they're scoring a lot of goals and they're winning a lot of games. But this isn't sustainable to me. There's no way that you can continue to get pounded in the shot department and not have that much of great puck movement in zone, but win all these games. At some point, it will die down, especially because it's not only the limited offensive chances you get, but you are an embarrassment in the defensive zone as well. So nothing really adds up here. Nothing adds up at all. It hurts my brain. I try and really dive deeper with this and, and, and really come up with the conclusion, but I'm sorry. I need some help because it's ridiculous. But that play there, first off, let's just look at it from a Nolan Patrick set of eyes. Who is Nolan Patrick? What is he? What's his ceiling? How great can he be? How much of the migraines and injuries and the lack of playing hockey has impacted his performance and impacted who he has been and impacted our thoughts on him? But when you see him make that play on that rush, he's putting the puck in between his legs and he's making this outstanding dish back door to Giroux and putting it right in an area for him to step in and one-time it like that. That's fantastic. That's elite-level stuff. So it's in there. It's in there, Adam Nolan Patrick, but we are not getting it enough. I demand more out of Nolan Patrick, and he has to become a better version of himself. He needs to start executing more, and he, he needs to continue to make plays like he did there. Now, luckily, moments later is when Ghost stepped into the rush and scored that five-hole goal on Hutton to make it 2 nothing. But when I see that play over and over again, and I, I hate to be this way, but it's just the way my mind works. If you're not playing the Sabres, is Ghost that wide open? I don't know. I don't know, and I think the same could be said in the third period when Scott Lawton had that filth, or I'm sorry, that wasn't, that was later on in the second period. It was right before the third period began. But when Scott Lawton gets wide open for that crazy breakaway, filthy, disgusting, absolutely bonkers goal, leg kick, 5 0 tuck, executed perfectly back and ew, ew, that was disgusting. But for that to even occur, to go from Vorchek, to Lindblom, all the way to, to Scott Lawton. Is that seriously something that would happen if you're playing an opponent that has more of an IQ out there, that has more of some good play at the moment? If they weren't falling apart organizationally? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying the answer is no. I'm not saying that. I want to see them have these type of good chances where they're clicking. Great puck movement. Seriously, all game long. I thought the team really moved the puck very well. Crisp. The passes were tape to tape too. Not 10 feet in front of somebody. Not 6 inches in front of someone. No, it was like perfectly being moved around with ease. So let me see that happen again when you're playing another opponent. 
Now, on their schedule, they can only control what is available and what is next and who is next on that schedule. So they play the Buffalo Sabres again. But continue to pour it on. And I guess the argument, if you disagree with me and you don't feel like I'm giving them the, the right praise at the moment, I guess you could say this. If you are a good team in this league, handle business. Handle business. Aren't you supposed to look clean against a team like Buffalo? Aren't you supposed to smoke and annihilate a depleted New York Rangers team that's missing so many players? And not only that, they're going through this internal mess with our Terry Panarin. And with Panarin, I feel awful, but that team is filled with dysfunction and a lot of messy noise right now. Shouldn't a team like the Flyers... If you think they are a high-caliber team, shouldn't they handle business the way that they have been over the last two nights? And and the answer to that is yes. Yes, they should. And that's why I'm somewhat confused right now. I don't know where to lean. I try to embrace this for what it is. Just go through the journey. But something's not adding up. Something's not clicking. And it's wild. But tonight, or I guess I should say this afternoon, they did what they needed to. And I love the 1 o'clocker. I love Saturday, 1 o'clock, and you got Sixers at 7 too. So it's one of those days where you got the Flyers at 1, and then you get a little bit of a break. You can regroup, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that around the house, and then by 7 o'clock, you're back in action and you're watching the Sixers game. I love it. And then you get a little later afternoon action on Sunday, which I think I like the later afternoon Sunday game more, but I I do like this this afternoon vibe. It's a good, good feel. And it tastes a little bit sweeter when you come out victorious. That's for sure. And speaking of tasting sweet, I don't know how this is a transition at all, but I'll tell you about my friends over at Orbit Energy and Power. With over 20 years of experience in the solar industry, Orbit Energy and Power is home to your solar experts in residential and commercial projects. They are dedicated to making sure that your project is completed easily and properly by using high-quality materials and trained professionals to get the job done right. Their solar program eliminates your electric bill completely, and they offer flexible financing solutions such as $0 down. There is no risk and no need for investment. They also provide water purification systems, backup energy services, battery storage, and more. So check out their information. It is all down below. All right, let's get to the Anytime Hotline and see what the reactions were to this 3-0 win. Man, I loved Moose. And then even after the game, Keith Jones gave Moose a little interview where he's sweating. He's got the goalie equipment on and the headset on, right? Love that vibe after a big win. Just standing there right outside the tunnel on the bench looking up at the screen. Hey, thanks, Colty, and uh, have a good one, guys. You know, something like that afterwards. But listening to Moose, just a veteran, man. Just a guy who's been around the block. And he's playing such great hockey. He really is. I feel so confident when he's in between the pipes. Very poised. Now, I even mentioned in the last game against the Rangers, I didn't love his rebound control at times. And, you know, maybe he's moving too quickly while the shot's coming and he's not set where he needs to be. And and that's one of Carter Hart's strengths. I think he takes away the angle so perfectly. Moose, a little bit different of a style. Obviously, he's still good at taking away the proper lanes like all these goalies are if you're a talented goalie in this league. But Carter does it to the specific level. Moose is a little bit different in style. But right now, man, the way that he's locked and loaded mentally, just super fun watch to see this veteran guy who has had stretches of just 
great play in his career doing it at this time in this role. I love it. I'm here for Moose. I wish the Wells Fargo Center was packed to the house on this Saturday afternoon. Moose! That hurt my throat. Terrible idea. Let's get to the calls. Hey, bros. What's going on? It's Connor from Philly. Um, laying in my bed, I, I watched the Flyers game on my phone. Um, I tuned in in the second period. The, uh, the boys played well in front of Moose, and, uh, Moose repaid them. Nice, nice 3-0 win. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Carter Hart can, um, do, do the same tomorrow. Hopefully the guys that are in front of him do the, sco- um, score the, with the same proficiency. All right, man. Uh, big win. Go Flyers. I love it. I love it. Now, with Carter Hart, does the conversation change? And, and once again, not in terms of future of the franchise. I'm just talking about this recent talk that we have about this team. What if tomorrow, when the Flyers play the Sabres, Carter Hart lays an egg after Brian Elliott the night before posts a shutout, or the afternoon before. I'm going to get confused and probably do that 10 more times, and I probably already did it without noticing it seven times prior to this point. But do we start raising questions? And and I guess it's different if they lose 2-1 and they don't get the same offensive production, although they should because the Sabres aren't going to get better overnight. But what if he's allowing short side goals? And what if he's allowing these bad goals that he shouldn't allow and he's too deep into his net and he's all out of whack mentally? Maybe you can see some frustration emotionally. Like what if something is triggered and we can clearly recognize it from a spectator set of eyes what happens then? Where does the conversation go? I'm, I'm very intrigued to see. I love Carter Hart. I think he's going to be so good. I think he's going to be a very talented player. He's just so raw. And uh, I think sometimes he gets into his head a bit. I think the emotional side of the game, while it seems like he doesn't have a lot of personality and a lot of emotion, I think when it comes to hockey, he does. And, and I'm really basing that off of when he does get into it, like when he does react, he really pours that emotion out and it and it hits a level where it explodes, whether it's slamming his stick on the crossbar. I have a good friend that went on a West Coast trip to watch this team play last season when they went to San Jose and I think they went to Anaheim and there was another game in the mix and they were right outside the tunnel, and they saw Carter Hart throw his stick, scream, freak out, break his stick against the wall when going into the locker room. So I just, I wonder if there's like this emotional side that he needs to gather together and and really learn how to how to handle the emotions, when's the right time to use it, when's the wrong time to use it, and we'll see that. We'll see how he plays. It all starts with how he plays first. And I also want to touch on another thing you mentioned. Laying in bed on the phone concept. I guess that's where we are in today's era, right? Because of how good these phones are and and the quality on the phone. Get the NHL app. Just laying in bed Saturday afternoon watching the game on the phone. We've all been there. I'm just laughing and, and cracking up because like that's where we are now. We have this little tiny ass iPhone screen. And we're sitting in bed, just maybe you got the charger and you got to flip the phone around so you don't bend the charger the wrong way. That's a, Hey, look, that's a hell of a Saturday, though. Unfortunately, I had to rip up my basement carpet and, and do all that in the morning where I got my ass kicked. 
So as soon as I was done, it was about 12.50, perfect timing to sit back, relax. But I needed like a moment to adjust from, hey, I got to fix my house to, hey, I'm at work, let me study the game mode. Sometimes there's a couple minutes there where you got to really readdress yourself mentally. Really good win for the Flyers this afternoon against the Sabres. To be fair, it's not really hard to have a good game against a team like the Buffalo Sabres. Like I, with Jeff Skinner and his $9 million a year to do absolutely nothing, I consider the Sabres to be kind of like the Phillies of the hockey and the fact that no matter what they do, they just never have any sense of how to improve the team and get them to go to the playoffs. Like they've, they've missed the playoffs since 2011, just like we did. Anyway, really solid victory, and let's go beat these bums tomorrow. Damn right, let's go beat these bums tomorrow. I see where you're going with the Phillies and the Sabres. Like, they're two teams, two organizations that are struggling to get back into the postseason and the expectations are high every year. I I, I guess I can see where you're coming from. I, I do think if you, if you start attacking it a little bit differently and peel back the layers, there is a difference between the two. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I can... St- I could someone get behind it for sure. Yeah, they're underachieving. They always are. <laughs> they always, It's crazy. They have these great starts to the season, and then they normally plummet. Well, this year, it just fell apart right from the, the start, and they never really got off to this level of play that they have over the last couple of years. I even saw reports, and, and I don't know how serious they are, and I don't listen or read into too much Buffalo Sabres talk from the beat reporters and from the storylines, but I did see something about uh, the Jack Eichel and maybe they move on. Like It was probably more just of a reach and you know, looking at this organization from this far view, this real up-top view, should they somewhat refresh this thing? But come on, Jack Eichel is the captain of, captain of, captain of three times to get that out. God damn. Captain of... Your hockey team, he's young, he's a stud, he's going to produce you a lot of points, and he's going to put asses in the seat as well. And let's not act as if that doesn't matter when you're somewhat building a franchise and and retooling things. So, you know, to me, am I really buying into that? No, but I think it's funny that you're starting to see those headlines because of where they are already at after it looked like they were going to turn the page. Even someone like Middlestat. There were moments where Middlestat wasn't playing up with the big team. And when he first came onto the scene, now it was a very small sample size, but he produced a good amount of points when he first got caught up and you thought that you had this younger player from Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, that is, playing some NCAA, you thought that he would help spark this thing and, and move forward, and then now he's up and down, and he's out of the lineup, and he's here, and he's there, and, and it's just weird, although, you know, after tonight, he had he had a good one. This afternoon, I should say. Damn, I'm not happy with myself in this one. All right, let's get to the next call. I honestly thought today may have been the best game that I've seen the Flyers play this year as far as a complete 60-minute effort. I thought all four lines were involved. It was nice to see Oscar Lindblom more involved today, making some nice passes. Defensively, a little shaky in the third, but overall limited the damage that Buffalo did. And Elliott was strong between the pipes. You got to try to get another two points tomorrow, but a solid for today. Like I said, for me, it was the most complete game that I've seen them play this year. 
I can agree with you on that, for sure. Yeah, 60-minute effort. Sometimes when I listen to calls, I jot down some of the things I want to touch on, and you said 60-minute effort, and I think that is a fantastic way to describe what we saw. It was a smooth, solid game. Everyone was rolling. You were able to use all the defensemen. You were able to use all of the forwards. You were able to throw the fourth line out there. You were able to throw the third line out there with these, not really get too worried about it, because everyone was playing with this intensity and this belief that they They were going to go out there and win that shift. They were going to go out there and outwork the Sabres every time they got a puck down low. They had that mindset, and for the most part, they executed. You touched on the third period. I wasn't happy with it, but even though it was one of those periods where the other team was bringing a lot of pressure because they were down and they had that kick in their rear end, hey, we got to start throwing pucks on that. We got to start. If we don't start now, we're definitely going to lose this game. That's sort of how the Sabres played in that third I still thought the Flyers limited what the Sabres were able to do, even though that there were some ones that didn't make me proud, let's say. A Lindblom. I thought Lindblom had some great passes. Obviously, the one that resulted in the goal, but then there was another one where he's on the left side of the post, and he passes it back door to Scott Lawton. Now, it's a shame Scott Lawton didn't have a lot of room to maybe put the puck over Hutton's shoulder. He was in too close, and he was way too close to his pads, so there wasn't a lot of room to operate with, but it was a nice dish, and Oscar Lindblom is really seeing the ice well. Sometimes I do wonder, though, is he seeing the the ice too much, and it's, hey, why don't you shoot the puck, or why don't you try and throw a puck on net instead of always trying to pass, but the passes were strong in this one. I guess I could say the same with Joel Farabee. Sometimes I'm thinking, Joel, come on, dude, let that thing rip, man. Let that one go. You are a hell of a talent right now. You're playing with a lot of juice. Let that one fly, rip it on net, but he's always sometimes looking to to pass. He's always sometimes. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. He's looking to pass the puck, though, and and knowing that this team has problems scoring goals, I think they need to throw way more pucks on it. Don't wait for the perfect chance. Don't wait for the perfect pass. Don't wait for the perfect storm. Throw pucks on Hutton. Throw pucks on anyone. And and I thought in this game specifically, they did do a better job at that, Uh, but they need to buy into that way more. Let's see how they uh, how they move forward here. There's no doubt that getting these players back it makes it more exciting. Sitting down and watching this team play when you have Sam Moran and Mark Friedman playing on your fourth line, that's terrible. There's no way that that is an exciting way to watch this Flyers team. Now it's starting to get there. And I wonder, though, with this COVID-19 and these players either having it or being on the list because of contact tracing, will that affect their play? Uh, I thought Claude Giroux with another great leadership game, specifically early, was making such great passes. They weren't able to Barry, so it won't pop onto the score sheet, but he started right where he left off. And oh, by the way, faceoffs. The dominance in the faceoff circle was beautiful. It's not something that a lot of people recognize right off the jump, and it's not something that pops off the page. But what they did in the off in the in the um in the faceoff circles, incredible work by by all the centermen's. Absolutely. I definitely wanted to get another point there. Oh, yeah, so Scott Kingery of the Phillies just spoke about 
COVID-19. He had it last year. He had a dumpster fire of a season. But he said he would run from home plate to second base. And afterwards, he would be done. He would be dead. He would be catching his breath for three, four pitches. It would take him a couple pitches for him to get everything back. It would take him a while to recover. So I'm just looking at now some of these players who were on the list who might have tested positive on that list as well, not just contact tracing. And will they have an issue moving forward? Will they have an issue tomorrow? Will they be able to play? Like, what what are these effects of COVID? That's all. Now, A.V. did mention that he's going to check in on some of these guys tonight, see how they're feeling, but we don't know how everybody reacts to this. We don't know how the bodies of some of these players bounce back from COVID after a, after a 60-minute hockey game, after a 60-minute effort. So everyone's different. Just something to, to uh, look at moving forward. So Thank you guys all so much for listening, and I will see you next time.